You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. No member-elect having received a majority of the whole number of votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. And so now here we are, being sworn at instead of being sworn in. Sad day for the House of Representatives as an institution. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top name. We may see others from the Freedom Caucus who decided, hey, we voted for McCarthy on the first round. Who's running this show? What's happening here? I mean, why would they start losing votes like that? Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. They've tried six times and still no Speaker of the House. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as Kevin McCarthy struggles through another marathon session that will resume later tonight. We'll have the latest from Capitol Hill with Bloomberg's Emily Wilkins and former Democratic Congressman Tim Romer, along with a highlight reel for the ages today. Could there be a break, though, and a deal across the aisle? One Democratic congressman tells me yes. And we'll talk details with Jim Kessler of Third Way, former policy director for Senator Chuck Schumer. And as Joe Biden takes a road trip today with Mitch McConnell, We'll talk through another historic day in politics with our signature panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, here for the hour. Fewer could say it better today than Congresswoman Kat Kim. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again. Yeah, with six rounds of voting now, we're essentially stuck in the same place we were in this time yesterday. No member elect having received the majority of the votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. For what purpose does the gentleman from Oklahoma rise? I move that we adjourn until 8 o'clock this evening. 8 o'clock? Well, they don't like that. The question is on the motion to adjourn. All those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed, no. No. The ayes have it. The ayes have it? Okay, there it is. Adjourned for another three hours to presumably come up with another plan. But Kevin McCarthy made it clear to reporters in the corridors of Congress he is not giving up. Are there any circumstances under which you would consider pulling out of the race for speaker? There is not one. Not one. Even with 20 steady Republican no's, including Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Let's stop with the campaign smears and tactics to get people to turn against us. Even having my favorite president call us and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw. Mm -hmm. With that, I yield. Thank you. Just like that. 
she voted for Byron Donalds, uh, who for today played foil to McCarthy. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas placed his name in the nomination. Do you think that the American people want us to continue down the road of what we've been doing? Do they want us to continue to do the things since the leadership that's currently in place have been in place? Do you think they want us to continue down that path? And the argument that I would make is that they want a new face, new vision, new leadership, and I believe that face, vision, and new leadership is Byron Donalds, and I'm proud to put his name into nomination. There it is. And I yield back. Yeah, okay. He got 20 votes. And getting a little bit of fame here in the House. 20 votes. When asked, Donalds didn't seem too bothered by the whole protracted process. I mean, I'm talking about, man, even Groundhog Day in the movie, that lasted about, what, nine, ten days? It's only day two, man. Y'all settle down. We're going to be all right. Right. What's the matter? It's day two. Don't tell that to Emily Wilkins. She's got to work all night. Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins covers Congress and the leadership for a living. Little did she know she'd be going through this. And she's with us right now as we have an opportunity with the House adjourned until 8. Emily, what in the world are House Republicans discussing right now? Well, we know that they are discussing. We know that Kevin McCarthy uh, and some of his allies are in a room with a number of the those holdout members who have continued to vote against him. I mean, really, Joe, it, we need to just note here the fact that so far in six votes, McCarthy has not been able to peel off any members who oppose him. In fact, it's, he's only added members. We saw Byron Donalds join uh, the group last night. And even today, uh, Victoria Sparts, a congresswoman uh, from Indiana, she yeah. began voting present instead of voting for McCarthy. And, you know, that that's the vote that McCarthy really does need at this point. I think there's a lot of questions about what can be given. Uh, Billy House with Bloomberg uh, had a really great story today outlining some of the requests that these Freedom Caucus members and, and hardliners are drawing in terms of committees. They want prominent spots on committees. They want subcommittee gavels. And their argument is, is that, you know, we've fought for all these rules, but the only way we can make sure that what we want is implemented is for us to have seats of power on these really powerful committees. Mm -hmm. Is this going to end in a deal with Democrats to make Kevin McCarthy speaker, or is it going to be another name, Emily? We just, we just don't know. Well, so far, the only uh, Democrat that I've really heard, and again, great, great story on the Bloomberg Terminal uh, from Steve Dennis, is Brad Sherman. Uh, he's a Democrat, and he has yeah. said, look, maybe if we can find an agreement here, and, and I think, Joe, he, he, you were talking with him today. I think I think I should I should be giving the credit to you. That is correct. Uh, you know, he, yeah, that, that he, he said, you know, we are willing, to, he was willing at least, uh, to make a deal in terms of the debt limit. But the fact is, for a lot of Democrats, they're not sweating it too hard right now. Sure, it's a little boring. Sure, they're not doing the things they want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of them are happy to see McCarthy continue to flounder, continue to see uh, Republicans being in disarray right now. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Democrats continue to support Jeffries. And at this point, I think Democrats are, are perfectly fine to keep their powder dry. I don't think they're at a point uh, where they see a need to start cutting the deals with Republicans. How late are you planning to work tonight? Um, look, like, what's your uh, boss telling in- you right now? What are your editors <laughs> telling you? They'll bring us in on this, Emily. Look, back in November um, 2021, so a couple of years ago, Kevin McCarthy started talking on the House floor at 8.38 p.m. <laughs> Did not finish till 5.11 a.m. 
He got a record or something. Longest record on the floor. Yeah. And Kevin McCarthy said, he's like, look, I spent the longest record on the floor for talking. He's like, I'm fine setting the longest record for number of houseboats. (laughs) He is digging in. His opponents are digging in. At this point, it very much feels like a a bit of a game of chicken. You're waiting to see Mm -hmm. who's going to blink. But if you're one of these uh, 20 folks who are opposing McCarthy, the fact of the matter is, is that your negotiating spot has never been better. Um, Mm. You really have a lot of leverage to get what you want. You have frustrations rising. And I think a lot of what we saw last night from McCarthy and what we're seeing today and what we'll see in the next couple hours are trying to find ways to negotiate with these 20 members. Good luck up there. I hope the takeout is good. When you hear Emily Wilkins on Bloomberg Radio tomorrow morning, just keep in mind she's been up all night. Curious to hear from Tim Romer, former congressman, Indiana's third district former u.s ambassador to india and importantly here a co-architect of the 9-11 commission and i mention that because former congressman romer is a longtime deal maker he understands what these meetings are all about that are happening behind the scenes right now regardless of party it's great to have you here tim what are these discussions like right now who's in the room well joe good to be with you <laughs> What a day, what a couple days. We may have several more days. Uh, who knows? Look, there's no surprises here for any of us that are familiar, as you are, Joe, with Capitol Hill. When you look back and you see uh, what Kevin McCarthy received in his Republican caucus in terms of opposition to his uh, potential speakership, there were about 30 Republicans that voted against him. And now it's 20, but with a couple maybe presents. That's not changing after six votes. They are dug in. They are hard. Uh, They are uh, uh, believing that they can take down the future speaker, which is giving them momentum and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of uh, juice uh, and uh, and adrenaline right now. Um, You know, the the former speaker, uh, Pelosi, would have told you, you never go to the floor without knowing exactly where your votes are. And whom is going to vote how? But isn't that the killer in this case? Kevin McCarthy did know. He he even said so. He wasn't going to clear in in the first round, that he wouldn't win the first ballot. So what would possess him to pursue this, knowing that he could be embarrassed publicly like this for days? Joe, uh, you know, these leadership uh, votes and battles uh, in parties, inside the party, can be... Uh, uh, as poisonous or more so than any other kind of uh, fractional uh, battle between the parties. For instance, when you know people would come to me and ask for my vote within the Democratic Party for speaker, leadership, um, uh, a whip race, these are fierce battles that you never forget decades later, how your colleague and friend voted in your own party, And things are taken very, very seriously on a personal level. Now, some of this might be able to be worked out on policy. Mm -hmm. You hear uh, Congressman Roy and Congressman Gosar and others say, well, we want certain rule changes. We want certain emphasis on a deficit reduction. We never want to see an omnibus before. But some of these folks just don't like Kevin McCarthy. And there might be four or five of them that just will not change. And their victory is going to be taking down Kevin McCarthy. And even if 
another name emerges, whether that's Steve Scalise, whether that's Congresswoman Stefanik, whether that's, you know, uh, McHenry, uh, whether that's, you know, a compromise candidate, they will see this as these four or five or 20 will see this as a real victory just taking McCarthy down. So, you know, there's a lot going into this that is even outside policy reforms and compromise. Back to your question, Joe, you, you're going to have, you know, three or four people from the 20 mm-hmm. going into McCarthy's office right now. McCarthy will have three or four of his lieutenants in there. And they're going to be talking intensely about what does it take to get some votes so that we can get down to 12 or 10. McCarthy has to desperately show that he is moving in a positive direction after being stuck at 20 people voting against him. He needs to peel off four or five. He needs to show momentum going in the other direction. So I can guarantee you they're eating Chinese food in his office right now, take out pizza, and they're going over, how do I get three or four of you to come back to my side? I want you to hear uh, a conversation that I had, a, a brief portion of my conversation with Congressman Brad Sherman, again, a Democrat from California. When I asked him, is there anything, knowing that many of these Republican holdouts simply can't be moved, there's nothing Kevin McCarthy apparently can offer them. Well, what could he offer Democrats to maybe help grease this kids here and have a couple members vote present? I don't know how that works out, but here's what he said. I think we should have a rule that the Democratic leader can bring up to the floor of the House for an immediate vote any bill that would provide a continuing resolution to keep government operating if we don't have an appropriations bill by September 30th. Okay. And that the Democratic leader can bring to the floor at any time a bill to suspend the debt limit so that we can actually pay our bills. Is this fantasy, Tim Romer, or the kind of conversation that could be happening if this keeps on going? Well, Joe, uh, the Democrats are in a very good position right now. There is no incentive for them to help Kevin McCarthy out of this deep, dark well and hole that he has dug for himself. And even if there was some incentive for certain Democrats to say, you know, let's talk, and maybe there are some casual conversations going on on the floor they certainly have time to have these conversations right now, uh, given that they're, you know, taking six votes and each vote takes an hour. Uh, you know, what McCarthy would be doing in cutting uh, a deal if he got to one with the Democrats would be the very definition of a pyrrhic victory, meaning he might win the battle to get the speakership. But he would definitely lose the war in his caucus, and he would probably be gone within six or eight months uh, within his own party. If those people that are opposing him on the floor now saw him cut a deal with the Democrats to be speaker, Mm -hmm. I think that would cause him all kinds of uh, internal problems within his caucus that would lead to his end uh, in, in, in a short amount of time. It's exactly what they have accused him of doing, right? They, I mean, my goodness, Lauren Boebert accused Kevin McCarthy of, of pulling a Pelosi by not having a single member uh, carry the right to, to challenge the, speech, the speaker in a motion to vacate. They're really trying to paint him as, as essentially no different than a Democrat from California. 
Well, you know, one of the things with, uh, you know, Congressman McCarthy uh, and his mentor, Congressman Bill Dave, uh, Congressman Bill Thomas from California, uh, who had his seat beforehand, uh, Congressman Thomas was interviewed um, and asked about Kevin McCarthy. And here's a Republican saying something about a fellow Republican who mentored him. He said, uh, Kevin, you never really know what's inside him. He can be anything and everything to everybody. Wow. That can be a strength maybe to Kevin, uh, that he can go around, you know, talking to everybody about different policies and issues and uh, cut deals. That is a weakness to many other people in politics. That, that's, that's not flexibility. That's called malleability. That's hmm. called you don't stand for anything. And, you know, that's probably one of the reasons some of these 20 Republicans are going after him, saying, you may have helped us raise some money. You may have helped us get elected in our district, but we don't trust you to stand for the kind of things that we're for, and we're never going to vote for you. Uh, this is, you know, I, I would guess they're going to go to some kind of alternative Republican candidate yeah. okay. uh, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, we only, uh, we've got less than a minute uh Ambassador, pretty remarkable that Kevin McCarthy already moved into the office. Now, Congressman Matt Gates has written a letter. Uh, uh, now, not a not a shocker here to the architect of the Capitol to have Kevin McCarthy removed from the Speaker's office. Will that happen? I don't know what the architect of the Capitol, the Sergeant of Arms, would do in that case. Um, it sure leads to some of the argument that you heard heard on the floor from the yeah. fellow Republicans. They don't believe you're entitled to anything. You've got to earn it. You don't right. move into the Speaker's office until you've got the vote. Well, forget about measuring the drapes. You already moved in. Tim Romer, former congressman, former ambassador and architect of the 9-11 Commission. Thanks for being with us. You know the panel is next. This is Bloomberg. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Congresswoman Victoria Sparks explains her present vote today. Telling CNN her concern is we didn't come together yet. We have to go back to the conference room, she says, HC5, and deliberate as a body, as a group of people, and figure it out. She voted for McCarthy. In three votes, told McCarthy ahead of time she would change her vote to present to help with deliberation. Well, they did adjourn, and they are presumably in that room as we speak, HC5. Question is, who is in that room and what? Congresswoman Kat Kamek mentioned earlier, uh, Republican Congresswoman supporting Kevin McCarthy put his name back into nomination. Was calling out Democrats for looking at this whole thing as some kind of slumber party. They want us divided. They want us to fight each other. That much has been made clear by the popcorn and blankets and alcohol that is coming over there. What? The... 
popcorn blankets and alcohol. The house is not in order. No, it's not in order. Democrats don't like that at all. The fact that she see come into the the house is not in order. Alcohol blankets and popcorn. I guess that's a groundhog day. That's the clerk would ask all members elect to abide by the established decorum of the house while making nominations. All right. That didn't stop them, by the way. They kept yelling for another couple of minutes after that because, look, they're all coming back at 8 o'clock. And this could go all night. We don't know. Maybe we're eating breakfast talking about this tomorrow. We just don't know. This is partly why we have our panel, not just for their good looks. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano join us, Bloomberg Politics contributors, on another heck of a day here. Jeannie, uh, what are Democrats uh, bringing in there? Blankets, popcorn, and alcohol. I mean, that's what everyone's doing tonight, isn't it? It is, Joe, and they were offended. She didn't mention the chocolate. There were several other (laughs) things that they had there that Victoria forgot to mention. Um, And, you know, you've got to say she's got a point. Democrats have been enjoying this, although we heard Joe Biden today describe it as an embarrassment, and it Mm -hmm. certainly is. It's not one that Democrats, at least in the short term, appear likely to try to help McCarthy avert. I think maybe in the long term, if this keeps up, we may see some movement there. And, you know, you look at what happened in the Pennsylvania, Ohio legislatures at the state level, they were able to resolve, you know, sort of similar situations. We may see some bipartisan work on that, but I don't think we're going to see it in the short term. So where's your head at this point, Rick? You've been watching this. We've seen this group of 20 hold strong. Will they continue to? You know, it's hard to tell. Um, You know, one of the things that everyone's talking about are these meetings tonight where they say, "Okay, put, you know, tell us what you want and we'll decide whether or not we're going to give it to you. Let's stand on firm ground for a change. And part of the problem is that this has been a moving target all along. I mean, every time there's one of those conversations and this dates back to before the voting even began, you know, this group of of radicals would say, here's what we want. Uh, And by and large, Kevin McCarthy would give it to him, and then they'd move the goalposts. They'd say, okay, well, now we want something else. And this issue of like deciding that you want to pick the committees that you're going to chair or, or, or to decide which committees you're going to be on and not have the committee of committees do that um, is really uh, strikes right at the heart of what this chamber is. And, and if this group of 20 gets to decide what committees they want to be on and dictate that to the chair, to the speaker – well, how about everybody else? I mean, like he's got 200 and some votes that are sitting there being loyal to him who aren't getting the same deal. And so I really think that they're treading on really thin ice right now. One, because I don't think this group actually knows what they're doing. I think they really, the the radicals want to just upset the apple cart. They don't have an ask. Uh, their ass have all been basically given to them and they've changed their mind. Uh, so uh, I think I think that's likely to not result in a deal. And then the question is, what options do you have? One that I don't think is being talked about much is the plurality option. Um, and it's really dangerous, right? And so you go and say, okay, let's do a plurality. And you get to the point where if this 20 don't vote for Kevin McCarthy, yeah. then Hakeem Jeffries gets to be Speaker of the House. I mean, and it's on them. It's not on Kevin McCarthy. And so I, I, it'll really be interesting to see if some of these options starts to uh, – Uh, get more talked about there are members on the record right now starting to say that that is one of the options they're considering 
Well, I'll tell you. The, by the way, if you're still, if you were still in the Senate, you're you know you're doing dealing with a night like this, Rick. Are you sending the interns out now? The staffers go out now to get the takeout, or do you wait for later? First of all, nothing like this ever happens in the Senate. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> That's why it's the Senate, not the House. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, first of all, you wouldn't even have to send them out. They'd be smart enough to know that if they didn't go out and have pizza ready when you got back to the chamber, they'd be fired. Gotcha. So, That's a great answer. Yeah, sure. There, there's a there's a symbiotic uh, relationship between yeah. staff to they got to feed the beast. Chris, if you're at, if you're in the Senate, you're you're uh, you're at Bobby Vans right now. Um, all right, Jeannie. We heard from uh, the the group of twenty today. Matt Gates seems to have been adopted as the ringleader here, or he's uh, adopted himself again. Listen to the language he's using to describe McCarthy. Those of us who will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy today take no joy in this discomfort that this moment has brought. But if you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. I'm a Florida man, and I know of what I speak. He actually, well, I don't, I don't know anything about that, Jeannie, but he has indicated to McCarthy, to Rick's point, that he'd rather let a Democrat, he'd rather let Hakeem Jeffries become speaker, essentially, through this idea of uh, plurality, than to vote for Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, this is the problem that Kevin McCarthy is facing. And Matt Gates is just one of the people who, when they said never Kevin McCarthy, they meant never. They would would rather have Hakeem Jeffries. They would rather have a Democrat. And, you know, Matt Gates has been negotiating asking for things like subcommittee gavels. Well, how can that possibly be done? How could you possibly make that deal when the 200 plus people looking at you aren't getting the same kind of deal? And every time those deals have been handed over, they have moved the goalpost. You know, one of the latest ones we're hearing is maybe that Kevin McCarthy would commit to some kind of term limit where he'd step down after a couple years. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, untenable as well. What they want is they want no leadership in the House. House. They want an incredibly weakened speaker, and that means the House isn't going to be able to function. And so the reality here is either he finds a deal with these people, which seems unlikely, they look to somebody else, or they change the rules. You know, the plurality vote, we talked about it yesterday. Rick just mentioned it. It's been done in the past. Maybe that's something they think about, or they strike a deal with the Democrats. But, you know, one of these things has got to happen because this can go on, but it can't go on forever. Eventually, I think we may see responsible members of the Republican Party tell Kevin McCarthy, your time is up. This is your second go at this, 2015, now, now. You're not getting there. We've got to look elsewhere because simply people like Matt Gates don't want you. Donald Trump weighed in. Uh, it, it had to happen, I guess, Rick Davis. We were waiting on this. He went, all caps, vote for Kevin, close the deal, take the victory, and watch crazy Nancy Pelosi fly back home to a very broken California. He goes on to write, Republicans do not turn a great triumph into a giant and embarrassing defeat. He didn't change one mind, did he? No. Uh, if anything, I think it was summarized by uh, Congresswoman Boebert, who said, you know, uh, love you, Donald Trump, but you should be calling Kevin McCarthy and telling him to step down. Yes. I mean, like they've just rebuked him. Um, I mean, it's the great shrinking post-presidency of Donald Trump. I mean, if you thought that he couldn't do anything else to hurt himself, here's a great example of he would have been better off saying nothing and it would have hurt Kevin McCarthy less. Now he is a complete non-factor in a debate that Kevin McCarthy put him at the center of uh, post-January 6th when he went down and resurrected the Trump post-presidency. And 
thinking that that would you know grease his his entry into the speakership right. if they won in the midterms. If he doesn't become speaker here, Jeannie, and boy, it's not looking like there's a path right now. Is that photograph he took with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago the great regret of his career? It's got to be one of them. And, and, you know, the irony here is, of course, Donald Trump is the reason he doesn't have the majority to overlook these, you know, this small group. Um, You know, we've seen that in the past. And, of course, one of the mistakes Kevin McCarthy made in this whole thing was he was assuming that if he just kissed the ring of Donald Trump, these people would go along with him. But the reality is Donald Trump isn't controlling in control of this MAGA group anymore at all. They are going on their own, and Lauren, Lauren Boebert is speaking to that. You do your own thing. We have our view of what we want, and we're going to go forward without you. And so Kevin McCarthy is left with, you know, Jim Jordan, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, now the voice of reason, and Donald Trump, and he still can't be speaker. <laughs> Unbelievable that we're still having this conversation right now. God knows when it will end, but thankfully we have Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano to make our panel. We're going to add Jim Kessler to the mix coming up next. I love these inside views from those who've actually been there, been behind the scenes for the deal making. He's the former legislative policy director for Senator Chuck Schumer. And I want to hear what's on Jim's mind coming up. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So still no speaker. If you're just joining us, maybe you just got out of work. Maybe you're just listening to the podcast. They've gone six rounds. They're now behind closed doors. They're going to come back at eight o'clock tonight. Adjourned in the house. Imagine being locked in a room with Kevin McCarthy after all of that. Meanwhile, 500 miles away, Joe Biden in Kentucky. You know, he went there today. It's like the beginning of a buddy movie. Went there with Mitch McConnell. Talk about infrastructure. Anything to get out of here. Get us out of the bubble. And as he got to the airport, you know, they roll in the motorcade, the beast. He's about to get on Air Force One. That's where they let reporters gather. Sometimes he'll walk over and answer some questions. And he did today. Put the ball cap on, asked if he was concerned about this whole situation involving the Speaker and the House. For two reasons. One, it's embarrassing for the country. I mean, literally, I'm not making a part of this reality that, you know, to be able to have a Congress that can't function is just embarrassing. We're the greatest nation in the world. How can that be? And we've had a lot of trouble with, I'm sorry for the noise, a lot of trouble with the attacks on our institutions already. And uh, it just, that, that, that's what worries me more than anything else. Interesting point considering, as he says, the attacks on our institutions, including that very one physical attack, January 6th. But I'll tell you what, Byron Donalds, what a day he's having, huh? He got 20 votes. Somebody threw his name in there for consideration. He's nominated to be speaker. Had no plans on doing that. And, you know, he said it's Groundhog Day. What do you want, right? This thing could go on forever. The wind is blowing, y'all. People are still driving in their cars. People went to work this morning. They dropped their kids off. My kids went to school this morning. (laughs) The American people are living their lives like they've always done. What do we have to worry about? Congressman Scott Perry, Americans aren't concerned about it. The American people don't care who the speaker is. The American people care that they're paying $5 for a dozen eggs. They care that they can't afford their energy bills. They They care about a wide open border and rampant crime in their communities. They don't care about this. 
Republican from Pennsylvania. Let's talk to Jim Kessler, co-founder of Third Way. He's a Democratic strategist and spent years as policy director, legislative policy director for Senator Chuck Schumer. Uh, Jim, it's great to have you back. Following our conversation in advance of this last week, I was deeply curious to hear what was on your mind. Are you more in the, the Joe Biden mindset that this is embarrassing, the world is watching, or is this the system at work? Well, it, it's both. It is embarrassing, and it's the system at work in what I think we're watching over the last several months is a Republican Party that's fracturing before our very eyes. And we saw some of this in Republican primaries in which extremists won and then lost in the general election. And, you know, this is a this is a culmination of that. This is a reverberation of it. Look, eventually there's going to be a Republican speaker. I do not think it's going to be Kevin McCarthy. This will resolve itself. But this is the party coming apart at its seams on C-SPAN. And we should note they're controlling the cameras, which is why we're getting all this great footage of, you know, Paul Gosar meeting with AOC on the floor, people booing, people clapping. Once there's an actual party in charge, uh, then the house cameras will take over, right, Jim? You remember all this stuff. C-SPAN's having way too much fun this week. Yeah, it's I, I, I've never C-SPAN is a destination spot on television. <laughs> How do you like them apples? I love it. All right, so I talked to Tim Romer about this earlier this hour. A conversation I had today with Congressman Brad Sherman, uh, and I, I, I it would be better for you to hear his words on what a deal with Democrats might actually look like. You know, all roads lead to the debt ceiling, as we've discussed, Jim. Here is what he said this might look like. I think we should have a rule that the Democratic leader can bring up to the floor of the House for an immediate vote any bill that would provide a continuing resolution to keep government operating if we don't have an appropriations bill by September 30th. Okay. And that the Democratic leader can bring to the floor at any time a bill to suspend the debt limit so that we can actually pay our bills. Jim Kessler, you've been in the room for a number of backroom deals over the years. Would Democrats be motivated to do that or would Republicans for that matter? Or would that would that just be the death knell for Kevin McCarthy? Probably the death knell for Kevin McCarthy. I mean, look, this is Brad Sherman saying what a lot of Democrats and a lot of other people feel is this is a non-functioning caucus. And there are, in several occasions, like debt ceiling and the funding of the government, particularly debt ceiling, where they hold a bomb in their hands. And if they don't defuse it, 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 you know, it could blow up and wreck our economy. So, I mean, what Brad Sherman is trying to do is something that's very constructive. I don't think in the end the speaker will be chosen by some Democrats, you know, forging some deal. I, I to me, it's it's a game theory. I think as soon as that starts to happen, Republicans will then coalesce behind somebody else other than Kevin mm-hmm. McCarthy and probably not Jim Jordan is my view either. I think it was <laughs> Stephen Scalise. Is that why his name hasn't come up come up yet? I, I've I've been asking this throughout the day. We've we've heard from Jim Jordan, to your point. Uh, Byron Donald's at his big day in the sun today. Are they intentionally not nominating Steve Scalise as an alternative, uh, Jim, because they want to kind of save the best for last? Yeah. So, I mean, Byron Donald is a um, he, he's a deposit where like votes can go there temporarily. 
Originally, there were some votes for Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is supporting Kevin McCarthy, but in the past, he has not. Mm -hmm. In the end, look, my view of what these Renegade 20 are trying to do is they want some concessions, but I, I think that's a bit phony. What they really want is they want to defeat Kevin McCarthy. They believe he's he's not a true believer. They think he's a phony. He's he's a back slapping, slapping Paul and they want to defeat him. Then at a certain point, they'll coalesce behind someone else and the McCarthy loyalists will say, well, it can't be this person, it can't be this person, it can't be this person. And then what you'll be left is with is a Stephen Scalise or Patrick McHenry, who is from North Carolina. And I think it'll be Scalise who is the number two right now. Yeah, right. How long does it take to get there? You, you uh, making plans for the weekend? Well, it can last for a while. Um, you know, I, there is no real deadline. Okay. I mean, you could argue the deadline would be, you know, the president's state of the union. Well, that's, <laughs> in, that's in a couple of weeks, right? You know, there's, the, the deadlines are artificial for the most part. So this that's could right. go on for a while. Oh my God. What's Chuck Schumer thinking about all this, Jim? Is it fun to watch or is he concerned? Probably a little bit of both. So Schumer is an institutionalist, and he always has been. He's always believed in the institution, all the institutions of government, but particularly Congress. He cherished the House. He cherishes the, the Senate. It's actually one of the things that he and Mitch McConnell have in common. Hmm. But at the same time, he is a smart political animal and sees... Yeah the weakness of House Republicans. And we know he's no fan of Kevin McCarthy. Jim, thank you for coming in. Let's stay in touch. Uh, don't go too far as we figure out this process from Third Way with us on the fastest hour in politics. The panel's next. This is Bloomberg. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Just consider the contrast between what's happening here inside the bubble and the wrangling between not just Republicans and Democrats, but Republicans and Republicans. The deep partisanship that's driving every conversation here and what we saw today in Kentucky. Kevin McCarthy is not in the room right now with Mitch McConnell asking his advice, not that he would necessarily do that. Well, Mitch McConnell says, I'm for Kevin. But no, 500 miles away, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky to welcome none other than Joe Biden. So they could get together, herald a new bridge funded by the infrastructure law and talk about Bipartisanship. I'm pleased to be here today to be a part of this. I encouraged it. I supported it. Mitch, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't easy and uh, to get this done. And it wouldn't have gotten done no matter all the work so many others have done. And by writing the legislation and dropping it in, it wouldn't have happened without your hand. It just wouldn't have gotten done. And I want to thank you for that. Frankly, 
surprised this was even allowed. Did anyone cover it? Other than me now? Uh, we reassembled the panel, Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. These guys could star in a new buddy movie, Rick. Well, this has been a buddy movie that's been going on for a long time. They don't have to agree on many policy issues, but they have a relationship that's been forged over decades. And you saw that part of it uh, on full display today. And what a contrast <laughs> uh, uh, in this event in uh, Ohio with what's been going on in the House of Representatives. And uh, so, uh, yeah, too bad it was overcast uh, by uh, uh, the squabble in the House. But uh, uh, kudos to all those folks for getting it done. Yeah, well, that's true. And I mean, look, part of the issue, Jeannie, is that this stuff tends to not get covered as much as the vitriolic stuff, the dramatic stuff. That's just human nature. But the fact of the matter is, tell me what you think about this. Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell will both be criticized by their own parties for what they did today. They will likely, but I'll tell you what, like locally, as you look at the news and they had not just Biden and McConnell, they had Kamala Harris out there. They had Pete Mm -hmm. Buttigieg. They had Mitch Landrieu. They had Nancy Pelosi all out visiting famous bridges and talking about this $2.1 billion set aside for these large bridge programs. These things matter. I live near the very new Mario Cuomo bridge in New York, and that bridge matters an awful lot to our local community as you struggle to go across the Hudson River. And so, you know, it may not get the national, international coverage that the vitriol in the House does, but people know when the bridge they're living next to is about to collapse and then when it's fixed and it brings a new life economically to their to to their uh, their neighborhood. And that's what the president is touting. He's doing exactly what he should do. This was a bipartisan achievement. And I don't think either he or McConnell care if they're criticized by the crazies huh. in both of their parties. Maybe that's really the point here that's the benefit of seniority rick you don't care what crazy people think anymore well you don't want to be delayed by it and uh, i think they'd all like the crazy to go away for a while and get back to business because there's more work to be done i mean this is a great victory lap for the president and congress uh, but it's not the only thing that needs to happen you know with our with our country's policies well, you wonder as well, uh, you know, if they're going to be rewarded for it when people start seeing. I realize the forecast is for a recession on the back end of next year, but will they be rewarded uh, for for coming together here? Rob Portman was up there today. Of course, he's retiring here, but Mike DeWine, Sherrod Brown, D's and R's, rebuilding stuff. The point being helping Americans. You like to think that plays out in the end, but we'll find out. Uh, hey, how about we meet back here tomorrow? Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, thanks to you both, because we got a lot still left to learn tonight. Eight o'clock is when they resume. This could be the theme for the new Buddy movie, right? This has got to be what they're listening to on Air Force One on the way back to Washington right now. A little campfire to send us all to bed here. We'll be watching so you don't have to. Hey, get the takeout. We're up all night tonight inside the bubble. I'll meet you back here tomorrow. No hand-holding. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.